Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, James Cazina and Jocelyn Gotto. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. It is Mike Gore here in the studio, and today I'm sitting with one of my dear friends from Central Asia. For regular listeners to the podcast, you will know that Central Asia is part of the world that I love. In fact, I would call it a first-generation Book of Acts kind of church. The way I see the Lord moving in that country is incredible. The times I've been there, we've been chased by the KGB. We've been all sorts of incredible situations. We've heard stories of miracles. We've seen the church rising up, standing in the face of the remnants of communism and the escalation of radical Islam. And so today, the guest that I'm sitting with, he's a guy that's been on all of those trips with me, a field worker for Open Doors. He's He's a guy that can bring great insight into the work that we do in this part of the world. And so it is my great privilege and honor to introduce you to my friend, Vadim. Vadim, welcome to the Open Doors Live podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's a great joy and privilege for me to be here and to see what you guys are doing here. You're doing enormous work because I saw the result of your work, how it really impacts the church that is suffering in Central Asia. And now we can come and look into your eyes and to say thank you because what you really do really helps. And I want to encourage you that everything uh, that you are striving for uh, will be achieved in the kingdom of God, that he is building um, all over the world, and especially in Central Asia, the place where the church has just appeared 30 years ago. That, that's one of the things, Vadim, that I find so incredibly interesting about the church in Central Asia. It only appeared 30 years ago. In fact, I was on a radio interview just the other day for a station here in Australia that said, oh, the Central Asian church must be one of the oldest in the world, isn't it? And I'm like, no, 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 the first conversions were in the 90s. And they were sort of like, oh, really? And so that's what I love about Central Asia. It's a church that has only come to truly know the Lord in the last 30 years. And because of that, we're seeing this childlike faith that just dictates and defines the church, their trust in God, their radical obedience, their courage. They've never suffered the comfort of safety, of wealth and materialism, all of that stuff that it brings. They're just chasing God courageously. But how about we start with a little bit more about you? Can you tell us what do you do for Open Doors? It was a life-changing experience when I joined Open Doors and started to go into this uh, region and to see what God is doing and how people are responding because it really has changed me personally, have shaped my face, and I'm really glad that I can share it with, with the others. Um, I've been doing the work with Open Doors for the last nine years, and now I'm program coordinator who coordinates the activities that Open Doors is um, undertaking in that region. And so what would be the main drivers of persecution? What would be the main sources of persecution in Central Asia? Can you maybe explain how it varies or even give the listeners a bit of an insight? What countries make up Central Asia? If we're talking about uh, the area, the geographical area that we call Central Asia, it, it it embraces all the stands that used to belong to the uh, Soviet Union. They used to be republics. Now they're independent and each of them has different uh, culture, different lifestyle, but they share many things in common. For example, they have Russian language. I would say that the main persecution engines is uh, radical Islam and, um, as we call it, a dictatorial paranoia. So you can find these names on the world's watch list and with all the explanations. But the main idea is that the state does want to control everything and is against of any other um, power like a religious power uh, who would interfere into uh, the country and uh, 
it is multiplied by the radical Islam because um, all those ideas of having power over the people, uh, they are supported by explanation that this is the faith, faith of our forefathers and we shouldn't betray them, we should stay in the Islam. And so for all of our listeners, when he talks about the Stan's country, their countries like Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, all the countries that when I talk to people about it, they say, Mike... Is that even a real country? Are you making that up? And so for our listeners, if you're not familiar with that region of the world, check it out because there are some incredible countries in that part of our world. Vadim, can you tell us, you talked about the rise of radical Islam. Well, in our time there together, it really does seem like a collision between the remnants of communism and radical Islam. Can you sort of talk to us a little bit about what persecution looks like in this part of the world? I mean, how would radical Islam be persecuting Christians? Similarly, how are the remnants of communism persecuting Christians? What does the persecution look like? If we take it really plain and simple, it will be like that. Uh, Islam is when your neighbor is persecuting you, when people uh, with whom you're living, just because they believe that you are Christian and you betray the faith of their forefathers, they will do harm to you, trying to expel you from the, from the community, from the families, to, uh, not to allow you to live on the land where th- that belongs to the Muslims. And it can take very different forms. Uh, for example, they can reduce your ac- access to water supply and you won't be able to water your crops, your field, and uh, so you will have nothing to eat. Or you will not have uh, the access to the water well and you will have to, uh, your, you and your children will have to drink from the um, water ditch and, uh, near the road. Or the final persecution that is most scary for the elder people who live in that area when you speak about them, with them about Christ and, and try to convert them. This is the question of where you will be buried. We have cases where converted Christians, they have been buried and the body would be taken away and buried again in a different place and the radical Islam would come and would take it away and it will be repeated like three, four times. We have many cases. So the persecution from radical Islam stays uh, with you in your home. If we're speaking about the persecution from the remnants of communism, and this is a persecution from the state, the state uh, reinforces new laws that restricts your capacity or ability to grow as a church or to act as a Christian and it can be in the form of forbidding and teaching your children at home or gathering outside of the building or restrictions that you have to overcome if you want to get registration for your church and that type of persecution is being kind of delivered or executed through the police, through the special forces. Um, the example of that is when uh, a guy who have been distributing, 15-year-old guy who have been distributing the leaflets um, with a, a gospel all over the city, he was caught and tortured uh, physically until the moment when he gave up and told the policeman where he got those leaflets from. So um, it can be really serious because the state has more rights to put you in prison rather than your neighbor. The neighbor can just beat you or do daily harm to you and your family. Their state has much more power, uh, power of uh, put a fine on you, 
power of putting you into prison or um, just destroying your life totally. A really interesting insight, Vadim. I remember being with you in a country in Central Asia and we were talking to a pastor about leading a church in that part of the world. And he says, well, our government says we have freedom of religion, but you have to have 50 members of a church before they'll register it. And so for me, that was a really interesting insight into the remnants of communism because the way that they control the church is incredible. So they can publicly say to the Western world, we have freedom of religion. But for our listeners today, let me ask you, how do you get a church to 50 people when anything below that is illegal? And more than that, to show and prove that you have 50 people, you must list the names of everyone in your church. And so in countries like where I was, the secret police and government agencies will call every person on that list, try and get them to take back their allegiance to the church. It means you fall below the 50, and then the pastor is charged with running an illegal church. And in some countries in Central Asia, for our listeners, the number is not 50, it's 200. So as far as persecuting or suppressing the forward movement of the gospel goes, that's an incredibly effective way of doing it because you're able to still have this kind of Western media message of freedom of religion, but the truth is anything but that because it is almost impossible to get your church to 50 people. So thanks for the insight, Vadim, into what it looks like for both Islamic persecution and also the remnants of communism. One of the things I took away from that is that I think in Western worlds and countries, we would often say that Islamic extremism and persecution is only ever violent. And what I heard from you is that that's not always the case. And so I think that's an important point for our listeners today is that just because it's radical Islam doesn't mean it's a matter of death but it does mean it's still persecution. Vadim, one of the questions I'm always asked is, Mike, can you tell me the story that's moved you the most in your time working with Open Doors? And so I'd love to actually ask you that question today and ask if you would share with us and our listeners probably a story that over the last nine years has really moved you the most. Mike, thank you for that question. I really love telling the story because it's great to share what God is doing. It, it changes you. This is a message from the Lord that here I am for you. I can do the thing that really surprises you because I'm alive and I'm Almighty. So this is the story of a family that have kids and, you know, kids there suffer most because actually they suffer because of the choice of their parents. Yes, they sing Christian songs and they go together with, with the parents and worship, but it's the choice of their parents uh, to become Christians and they just follow in their parents, but they suffer the same suffering as uh, the adults would do. In one uh, village, there was a family with a few kids and the kids were going to school and they had to take a public bus and drive about 10 kilometers into a different uh, neighboring village uh, because the school was there. There, And the bus driver knew that they were uh, Christian kids and every time he would stop in the middle of the road and mocked at them and uh, throw them away from the bus and the kids had to decide either go on foot further to school or back at home. And, you know, their place there is not really nice. There are wild dogs and uh, it's dangerous for a kid to be alone in the middle of nowhere. We didn't know what to do with the situation. We were praying for that situation, but God has developed a plan. And one day this bus driver took a taxi and on a taxi there was a man who has been trained through the organization how to do the evangelism. And he's preached to this bus driver. So making long story short, 
I can say that that bus driver has accepted Jesus and was really converted. Now he waits for Christians, for those kids and for other ones whom he knows and give them an extra ride every time without charging them. So it was really a transformation of life. It was really a testimony that God can change the heart. And you know, this is the message that we need to deliver to the world, that God is able to change the hearts and life of the people. What a powerful story. I think that I've always loved the way that our ministry works, but has the ability to bring people to Jesus. Because I remember actually a believer in Central Asia once said to me, to leave Jesus out of your language only ever paves a wide road to hell with generosity and good deeds. And so as far as a work of open doors goes, it transcends being simple social justice charity work and really gets into the deep spiritual desire to see nations one for Christ. And so thanks for sharing that story. What a powerful insight into the work that we do in that nation. Has there ever been a scripture, I guess, I mean, hearing your passion and your drive, what scripture, what Bible verse really encourages you to keep serving the Lord in the work you're doing? I would quote Hebrews 12, 1, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have a command to run as the runner, the real sportsman would do. And you know, I remember that the first marathon runner, he died when he arrived and fulfilled the mission. It was a guy who has been delivering the victory message to the king. So he ran and he delivered the message and he fell dead. So he accomplished the task and that was enough for him. That was his final purpose. And for me, this is the encouragement to run as that runner did, to run till the last drop of your power, the last moment of your life, because after that, there is a father who is waiting for you. And I really want to accomplish my task that I have here on the earth and to get to him with this good news that the church is victorious. It's always interesting for me to have a different lens to see the Bible through. I feel like that's what the persecuted church does for me. And I know that that verse myself, I've never seen it that way, never considered it in that fashion. And so it's inspiring as always to sit with people like you who force me to see the Bible through a different lens. As we get to the end of the podcast for today, I'd love to ask you two questions. Number one is, What's one thing over those nine years that you really feel you've learned from the persecuted church? Where has your faith changed the most? And then secondly, what message would you have for our listeners, the Australian and New Zealand church, for that matter, the Western church around the world? It's an interesting question, Mike. I learned that it doesn't require much to be happy. You can be happy just having Jesus in your heart and being able to call him your father. Because I saw the happiest people i ever seen were the people who have nothing but God. When you see that joy, you understand that probably you're missing something really important in, in life. The only thing that really matters is God the Father who created the universe and saved all of us. Uh, you know, I would, I would share the message that uh, the brothers uh, from Central Asia has asked me to share. It, it was really simple. They ask you, don't give up. You know, they believe that you are struggling as much as they do, but they want you to continue. So this is the message. Don't give up. 
run with the perseverance. Vadim, I just want to say a huge thank you for being with us today. I think it is a great privilege to serve alongside you. Although we may work in different parts of the world, it is great to call you my brother and my friend. And so my hope is our listeners got a great insight into the work of Open Doors, a region of Central Asia, but also just the beautiful nature of the gospel. Because we always say that persecution, it's a consequence of successful Christianity. Wherever the gospel is being shared, persecution exists. And so the work that we're doing in this part of the world, for me, is a great confirmation and a great reminder that God is still on his throne, that he's still building his church, and more than that, that the future is bright. So all of you listeners today, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We really love and appreciate if you enjoy what you're hearing, please rate, review, and share it, and we'll catch you next month. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Live with your hosts, Mike Gore and James Kazina. Because of your support, we're able to bring the persecuted church to life. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au.